Our Father who is in heaven. Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for expanding your family and including us. Thank you. Hallowed be your name. In our worship today, in our families this week, in our school, in our work, may we exalt the name of Jesus wherever we go. Your kingdom come. King Jesus, send your spirit that we might follow you. Send your spirit that we might proclaim the gospel of the kingdom wherever we go. And oh, King Jesus, come, come quickly. We long for you to come and your kingdom to be here in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may that start with us. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us and give us the desire and power to do God's will on earth so that others could get just a little picture of what is to come and would it want to join us in following you. Give us this day our daily bread. You, you know our financial needs as individuals and as a family and as a church meet our needs financial needs and physical needs, give us this day our daily bread. And, and, and our relational needs, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. We pause and confess the things we did and said and thought this week and left undone. And Lord, as you forgive us, help us to forgive. Help us to turn loose of bitterness and and, and anger, help us to forgive as we've been forgiven. And Lord, we pray that you would keep us from temptation, that you would not lead us into temptation, but you would deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that's within us, our flesh, of thinking we can run our lives better than you. Deliver us. And Lord, deliver us from the world around us, putting such pressure on us to conform. Deliver us. And Lord, deliver us from the evil one. And Lord, as you've given us your word, pray that as we read it, you would teach us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if, if you're new, I want you to know that we don't give bulletins to people at Good News, but, but every month we produce the study. And maybe some of you haven't picked it up, but if you pick it up, I'm going to walk it through, you, through it a little bit. And if you're not with us, you can download one online. You can stop by the breezeway and pick one up. But this is a disciple-making tool. We, have, we produce this to help you become a disciple of Jesus and to help you disciple others. So let me walk through it just a little bit. If you open it up, it comes first of all to our purpose as a church, <clears throat> which is to make disciples together. And if we're going to make disciples together, we need to understand, well, what is a disciple? And so we've defined the last few years that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And we want you to be a disciple and make disciples, and that's why we want to do it together, because we believe that we make disciples best together in biblical community. So we've said, well, what does it look like to follow Jesus? It's three great loves. We as a church want to help you love Jesus more. We want to help you to love one another more, and we want to help you love lost people more. We want to help you be a disciple of Jesus and a disciple maker. And we want to do it together. So if you turn the page to the next page, we come to our budget for the coming year. This is what it takes to, to do this together. And first of all, I, I want to brag on you a little bit in 2019. In 2019, our giving was about 
almost $2.5 million. And I want to thank you guys so much for being so generous and giving. Thank you. I mean, with all that went on last year and, and almost $2.5 million was given, thank you. We were able to... Uh, to continue our ministry and, and, and uh, to bear much fruit. And matter of fact, through that, we were able to have, see 102 people profess faith in Christ. And, and we give God thanks for that. And we had 26, actually 27 evangelists. But I want you to look at that and very thankful for that. But what if next year, instead of 26 evangelists, 27, what if there were 1,000? And what if all the people who are part of good news, if every one of us won one person, then we'd see a thousand people had won someone to faith in Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Do you, do you believe that God could use you to reach just one person this year? Imagine what could happen if each of us just won one person. Um, also, through your giving, we were able to help plant 15 churches around the world and give over $300,000 to plant churches around the world. And I want to thank you guys for your generosity again. If you're new, 13% of all the money that's given here goes to help plant churches around the world. And, and not only 13%, but many of you gave above and beyond that. That's why we were able to do that. And so it has in here our budget for the coming year, about $2.6 million. And I, and I know it's a stretch, but really encourage you to partner with us financially that we can do that together. If you turn the, to the next page, we have a disciple-making map. We want to help you become a disciple and a disciple-maker, so we have a map for you. That all of us start out as lost people, and, and so we want to invite lost people to come and see Jesus and then when they become a believer, we want to encourage them and teach them how to follow Jesus. And then Jesus calls us to fish for, to, as workers, to fish for men and then to bear much fruit. So we want to help you become a disciple and then turn around where you can help someone else walk through this path. As a disciple maker, we want to equip you so you can win the loss, so you can build believers, so you can equip workers and multiply disciples. So this is a map to help you grow and disciple others. It's in the study every month. If you turn the page, one more page, you'll see a, a reading plan. Hold that thought. I'll come back to that. It's a reading plan through the Old Testament. And then if you turn the page again, there's a table of contents that shows you what's in the study. And then if you turn one more page, you'll see Exodus chapter 1, the way out. This is the message we're going to look at today. Every week there is a page in the study for the whole month that if you hear something worth writing down, a place for you to take notes. Then the next page is, if you turn it, is our small group queue. This is what we do before we go to small groups so that we can go to small group and open God's word together. It's what we do in small groups. And then the, after, the next page is about our personal reading plan. If you've never read the Bible, we want to invite you to read the Bible with us. We believe to become disciples and disciple makers, we need to get into God's Word. And a lot of you have been reading, been reading devotional books. We want to invite you to read the Bible. You can do it. You can do it. You can read the Bible. You've been given the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do it together. Four days a week, if you'll do this four days a week, 
Listen, we can read through the whole New Testament together, and it's so much better together. My wife and I, Karen and I, we read the same thing every day, and we get to ask each other, what did you learn in your time with God? And it's so good. When you go to small group and you see others from the church, when we're doing it together, we can share that together. Now, many of you, and the idea of this is that you would read the Bible, but when you win someone to faith in Christ, you can invite them to read with you and show them how to read his word and, and to pray his word and to share his word. You can do it. Now, some of you have been doing that for a few years and you'd say, well, you'd like to do more. So what I showed you before was an Old Testament reading plan. If you'd like to do more than read through the New Testament, if you follow the Old Testament plan and the New Testament plan together, by the end of the year, you can read all the way through the Bible. We want you to, to really get into God's word so that you can be a disciple and a disciple maker and we're here to help you. Now, when I showed you what we're looking at uh, on the way out, this year in our worship services and in our small group, we're going to be walking through Exodus together. We're going to start in Exodus, and you say, well, why Exodus? Well, one reason is Dave, our disciple-making pastor, who's now serving as our interim pastor at our World Golf Village campus, he felt a little sorry for Israel. They were stuck in Egypt and he wanted to get them out, okay? So we're gonna get Israel out of Egypt first before we go to a New Testament book, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is we're gonna find out that Israel found themselves unwanted in a land where they were once welcomed. And we think that's kinda of timely for us today, that we as Christians might sense that we're unwelcome in a land where we were once welcome. And, and listen, seeing how God rescued them will be real encouragement to us. And then we're going to move from Exodus and we're going to walk through First and Second Peter. And the reason we're gonna read First and Second Peter is Peter is writing to a persecuted minority. Christians were being persecuted in the Roman Empire, and Peter was writing them to encourage them on how to make disciples, how to make a difference when they were a persecuted minority. And uh, it seems like in, in our culture, that's kind of where we're headed. And, and we wanted to prepare you and to equip you for the times in which we live. So let's start with Exodus, okay? That's where we're going, and uh, I want you to know who the author of Exodus is. The author of Exodus is Moses. And you say, well, how do I know that? Well, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus affirms that. In Mark 12, verse 26, Jesus said, but regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses? He's talking about the book of Exodus. And how do I know that? Because of the content. Have you not read that in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, when we read through Exodus, we're going to learn about the burning bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So the author is Moses. Matter of fact, Mo Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. They're often called the Torah, the law, or the books of Moses. But he, but he wrote Exodus. And when did he write Exodus? He wrote Exodus in about 1405 B.C. The actual event of the Exodus took place in about 1440 um, B.C. But Moses wrote about it toward the end of his life when, uh, in about 1405 uh, B.C. And um, what is the message? The message of Exodus is the gospel. 
The message of Exodus is the gospel, how God rescues his people, because that's the message of the whole Bible. And, and Moses wants us to know that. What we're going to learn today is that Jesus is the way, <laughs> that Jesus is the way out of Egypt, that Jesus is the way through the desert, that Jesus is the way into the promised land. So um, if you ever find yourself lost, remember what? That Jesus is the way, right? So before we hop into Exodus, let me set this up just a little bit more with a couple of passages that will help us understand Exodus. Uh, one is in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, verse 13, God said to Abram, you know, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So God told Abraham, your descendants are going to be in Egypt for 400 years and they're going to be slaves there. But I will judge the nation whom they will serve and afterward they will come out with many possessions. But I'll rescue my people and when they come out, they'll come out with many possessions. So God told Abraham, listen, your descendants are going to spend 400 years in Egypt, but I will call them out. So Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, also known as Israel. And during a famine, Jacob is heading to Israel. And remember when we read in Genesis 46? In Genesis 46, so Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your fathers. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Jacob, go down. Don't be afraid, and when you're there, I'm going to make you a great, great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. Listen, I'm going to go down with my people, and one day I'm going to bring them back to the promised land. So, last year we read through Genesis. We finished the story. Israel is in Egypt. And now in Exodus 1, we pick up the story. Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. They came each one with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Ephthali, Gad and Asher, all the persons who came from the loins of Jacob were 70 in number. But Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. Anybody remember what the first command in the Bible is? It's what? Come on, guys, you should know this, right? It's what? Be fruitful and multiply. So Israel did in Egypt what God had commanded Adam, right? They were fruitful and multiplied and filled the land. Remember what God promised Abraham? He said, listen, that your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. And so God kept his promise and he multiplied them. Remember what God told Jacob? When you go to Israel, I will make you a great nation. Seventy people went in, and 400 years later, there were over two million Hebrews. God multiplied them in Egypt, didn't he? Because God is a faithful 
covenant-keeping God, but the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. <clears throat> now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Um, he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. We forget things so quickly, don't we? And so they very quickly forgot how God had blessed Egypt on account of Joseph and on account of Israel. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. Let's act wisely. And generally, when, when people think they're acting wisely, in God's eyes they're acting wickedly, right? Let's oppress God's people. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh strong cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they, what? The more they multiplied and the more they spread out so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. Hmm. I love that. People often ask, Smiley, how's everything at Good News? How do you answer that question? If you ask the Israelites in Egypt, how is everything, what would they say? It's the best of times, and it's the worst of times all at what? The same time. How is it the best of times? They were what? They were multiplying exceedingly. They were multiplying at the same time what? They were being afflicted, right? And isn't that often the way church history goes? That the church multiplies the most when the church is most persecuted? Know why? Because in the good times, everything seems important, doesn't it? But in the tough times, what? Only the important things seem important, right? Maybe we're entering a season where, how is everything in the church? We're experiencing unbelievable, you know, persecution and yet great growth at the same time. Notice what it says, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and they, the more they spread out, so the people were in dread of the sons of Israel. See the word dread? It means to loathe, to hate. The Israelites who were once welcome, the Hebrews once welcome in Egypt, were now hated. The Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. Let's make them miserable. And they made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar and bricks and all... And, and at all kinds of labor in the field, all their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. How is everything in Israel? Listen, it was the best of times. We were multiplying exceedingly. It was the worst of times. We were no longer welcome in Egypt, and we were being very much oppressed and afflicted. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, kind of the health care providers, one of whom was named Shipra and the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, it's where they would give birth, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. So they went from oppressing them to wanting to murder them. And so you're a Hebrew midwife. And the civil government tells you to murder the baby Hebrew boys born. What are you going to do? Are you going to do it? Are you? Um, interesting. You know what the strategy was behind that, don't you? 
that listen, the reason they would let the daughters live is that if, if a daughter uh, grew up and there were no Hebrews to marry, she would have to marry an Egyptian and she would become an Egyptian. But they believed that if you kill the sons, eventually genocide would take place and Israel would be eliminated. Isn't it interesting that in our world the exact opposite is done? Did you know that in China and in India, boys are valued more than girls, so know what they do with baby girls? They abort them when they're in the womb because they're not wanted. So the midwives were commanded to put the baby boys to death, but the midwives feared God. Hold that thought, we'll come back to it. What does it mean to fear God? What does it mean that the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but the boys lived? When you don't do what the government commands you to do, we call that what? What, what do you call that? It's civil disobedience, right? Isn't that what it is? So notice two things. Israel living as a minority in Egypt, uh, the, the midwives feared God and they practiced civil disobedience. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get there. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. So listen, even when they tried to exterminate them and commit genocide, they continued to grow. Why? Because the midwives feared God. Because there were women of great faith who feared God and did not do what they were commanded to do. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, now not just the midwives, but all the people, Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, Every son who is born, you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. So, so, so you live in Egypt, and now Pharaoh has said, You see a Hebrew boy? Put him to death. What are you going to do? Now, remember how I said, Notice, feared God? Um, what does that mean? Why is that so important? In Proverbs 3, or Proverbs 9, I've said that at both services, in Proverbs 9, verse 10, uh, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, it seems like we're either going to fear God or men, right? One or the other. And the Bible says wisdom begins when we what fear God, not men. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Why did the midwives refuse to murder the baby boys? Because they feared God more than they feared men. Do we? Well, well sorry, that was the Old Testament. What, what, what about the New Testament? Notice what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So the midwives had this thinking, you know what, uh, uh, we, if we disobey Pharaoh, he can what? He can what? 
He can kill us, but that's what? That's all he can do. But listen, God, he can not only kill us, but cast us into hell forever. And so you know what the midwives did? They feared God rather than men, or more than men. Um, how about us? I mean, you, you know what it's like to fear men, don't you? I mean, don't we feel that pressure? Are we going to fear God or men? You say, what do you, what do you mean? So you're somewhere, and a friend says to you, do you believe Jesus is the only way to God? Don't you have a choice then, don't you? You're either going to fear what? You're either going to fear God or you're going to fear men, aren't you? Man, it's hard. Isn't it hard in our culture to say, I believe what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is the way to God? Isn't that hard? Or how about today if someone asks you, well, what do you think about same-sex marriage? I mean, don't, I mean you, who do you fear more? Do you fear God or do you fear men? The midwives feared God more than they feared men, and that's why they preserved the babies. So we see what it means to fear God is to fear God more than men. And, and then we see the ladies, they practice civil disobedience. They refuse to do what the civil government told them to do. And I know you say, well, wait a minute, Smiley. Wait a minute, Smiley. I thought you always told us to obey the civil government. Listen, we always obey the civil government except when the civil government calls us to disobey God. When the midwives were instructed to murder the baby boys, they said what? No. We must obey God rather than men. And don't we see the same in the New Testament as well? I mean, in the New Testament, Pentecost happened, the church was birthed, the church began to multiply greatly just like Israel did in Egypt. And listen, the, the, the Jewish authorities began to resent them. And so in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. We told you to quit proselytizing. We commanded you to quit doing evangelism. Do you know in many places of the world today that it's illegal to evangelize? Did you know that? What would you do if it was illegal? Don't we see that happening in our country? Don't you? Don't you see a day when it could be against the law for you to share your faith? What would you do? Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Um, now listen, if I told you last year, just last year, if I told you last year, what would you do if our civil government said you can't gather together and worship, what would you do? A year ago, you know what you have told me? What? You'd have said what? That'll never happen in America. Could you see it happening now? Could you? What would you do if it was illegal to gather together? Would you say we must obey God rather than men? Isn't that what we see in the Exodus story, don't we? We see a, a, a people, and, and, and we see that they're, they're persecuted, and yet we see that they feared God more than, than men, and, and, and we see them practicing civil disobedience. Going back to Exodus 1, I want to show you something else. I want to show you a progression. 
what happened over 400 years. When, when Israel came to Egypt, they were celebrated. Welcome, welcome. Anywhere you, want to, anywhere you want to settle, you're welcome. And the people, they were so happy, they celebrated them coming because Egypt was saved through Joseph. In over 400 years, it went from celebrated to tolerated. Ooh, we have all these people living among us, and they serve a different God than we do. Ooh, and then it went from being tolerated to hostility. Let's oppress them. And then when that didn't work, it moved to what? Let's annihilate them. Um, young people, before the 2000s, there were the 1900s. And I came to Saving Faith in this community in 1970, and this city celebrated that. It was celebrated that someone who was a mess had come to Saving Faith in Christ. It was celebrated. In 1991, 21 years later, I moved back to St. Augustine to start Good News, and listen, my faith was tolerated. I kind of believed the Bible a little bit too much, but, it, but it's okay. Now, 20, you know, 30 years later, what now it's, it's, there's a hostility toward people of the book, isn't there? And, and, and will it move? Will it continue to move to the next step? in our country that they'll seek to get rid of Christians the same way they were trying to get rid of believers in, in, in Egypt, will it? Are, are you ready for that? That's why we're doing this walk through Exodus and First and Second Peter. We want to prepare you for what might be difficult days ahead, that they can be both difficult and fruitful at the same time. Oh, one other thing really stands out to me in Exodus uh, chapter 1 is it's the gospel, isn't it? Because the bad news of the gospel in Exodus 1 is the people are slaves. They're held captive, and, and slaves can't free themselves, can they? But listen, the good news in Exodus 1 is that God's going to raise up a deliverer. God's going to raise up a Savior named Moses, and Moses is, is going to point people to Jesus because Moses will lead them out of Egypt, and Moses will lead them through the desert. But Moses won't lead them into the promised land. Know why? Because Moses isn't Jesus. And we need Jesus to lead us into the promised land. Uh, isn't Exodus 1 our story? Isn't it? Isn't the bad news of the gospel that we're slaves to? In, um, in John chapter 8, listen to what Jesus, he answered them, Truly, truly, when Jesus says truly, truly, he says this is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. We all have a problem called sin. It's not just that we have sin, it's that we are sinners. And everyone who commits a sin becomes a slave of sin. That's why it's not real effective to tell someone, don't drink so much, don't smoke so much, don't cuss too much. You know why? Because when someone sins, what? They become a slave of sin. What they need is, is a deliverer. What they need is a savior, not to try harder. Listen, the Bible says that we're all slaves to sin. We've sinned against God. We can't free ourselves, and we're in big, big trouble. But the good news is, just like God raised up Moses, God raise up a savior, a deliverer for us named Jesus. Right here in John 8, verse 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Man, are you stuck in your sins? 
You can't get your way out. I've got some good news for you. God has raised up a deliverer, a savior. His name is Jesus. Notice he's called the son. He's God the son. God the son put on flesh and came to earth to free us from sin and death, to lead us out of Egypt and into the promised land. So God the son put on flesh, came to earth, took our sins upon himself on the cross, died in our place as our savior and deliverer. He rose on the third day, and he promises freedom. He promises eternal life to all who would believe in him. Have you? Oh. You see, Jesus is the way, right? In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. And the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. <clears throat> well, so how, how do we put our faith in Christ? What, what does that look like? Listen. Coming to the Father through Jesus really is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. It starts when we admit, and if you never have, won't you admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose? And won't you commit, won't you trust him? We can't save ourselves, but Jesus can. Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior. And I, I want you to give me eternal life and... I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And if you haven't, won't you do that? And if you have, I want you to hear what Jesus says. He says, I am the way. Now that you believe in the way, listen, the action step for this week is to follow Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, he says, follow me. And so what I want you to do this week is I want you to follow Jesus out of Egypt. Out of Egypt. Jesus says, follow me out. He invites us out of our bitterness, out of our emptiness, out of wasting our lives. He says, come out. So won't you follow Jesus out of Egypt? And nobody does. He calls us to follow, us, to follow him through the desert. I mean, once we come to faith in Christ, we're not in Egypt anymore, but we're not where? We're not, we're not in heaven either, are we? We're not in the promised land. We're in between. And so Jesus calls us while we're walking through the desert to follow him, right? Listen, Jesus is our model in this world. He's our model for life and ministry. If you want to know how Jesus wants you to live as a husband, follow Jesus. If you want to know how Jesus wants you to respond as a wife, follow Jesus. If you want to know how to honor your parents, Jesus says, follow me. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. How should we win someone to Christ? Jesus says, follow me. How should we disciple the people in our small group? Jesus says, what? Follow me. Matter of fact, in John 17, verse 18, listen to what Jesus, he's praying for us. He's praying to the Father. He's praying for us. And he says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. If you want to know why Jesus has sent you into the world, then get to know Jesus because he's our model for life and ministry. And what did Jesus say to us in this world between Egypt and the promised land? What did he say? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So this week I want you to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus out of Egypt. Follow Jesus through the desert. Follow Jesus into the promised land. Did you know that Jesus is not only our model in life and ministry, but he's our model in death? Um, what really happened in 2020 is Americans discovered, you know what they discovered? They're going to die. 
Really, it's almost as though Americans didn't think they were going to die. And then we get this virus, and all of a sudden people are going crazy because they've discovered we're going to die. And so I want you to know that Jesus wants us to follow him not only out of Egypt, and not only through the promised land, or through the desert, but into the promised land. There's so much we can learn from Jesus of how not only how to live well, but how to die well. Know what happens when we look at how Jesus died? He teaches us, don't die before you die. What? Don't, don't you know people who died long before they died? If you study Jesus, you'll see on the night, on the night he was betrayed. Know what it says in John 13? He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. He didn't die before he died. On the night he's betrayed, he's washing the feet of his disciples. He's not concerned about himself. He's serving the needs of others. Jesus died so well on the cross. Remember how he died? That he converted people through the way that he died. He looks out and sees his mom and says, John, take care of mom. Don't worry. John will take care of you. He's thinking of others even on the cross. Matter of fact, the one thief looks at the way Jesus died and said, what? I want what he has. Will we die like that? When people see us die, will they look at us and say, wow, I want what that person has. I want what that person has. And what did Jesus say when he went into heaven? He said, what? Into your hands I commit my spirit, right? Huh. Listen, Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus out of Egypt. Follow Jesus through the desert. Follow Jesus into the promised land. And to help you in that, I, I really want to, and I've talked too long, but it'll, it'll be worth it by the end. Um, three simple invitations to follow Jesus this year. The first invitation Jesus gives us is come and see. Listen, when Sunday happens, we have a chance to come and see Jesus together. Listen, come and see as we get to know him together. Listen, if you're not in a small group, why not plug in? Every Sunday evening, I'm in a small group of people. Know what we do? We open the Bible together and we see Jesus together. Something happens when we see him together. We see the beauty of Christ. Listen, get up each morning and come and see Jesus. We've laid it out for you. A way to run th read through the New Testament and, and the Old Testament. A way to come and see Jesus. And when you see him on the start of every day, the Holy Spirit says, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the way you want to live? Follow Jesus. So will you come and see? And then follow Jesus. You lead, I follow. You can run my life better than you. You lead, I follow, right? And then lastly, lastly, he calls us to fish for men. Know what struck me in the story we read? The people were persecuted and fruitful at the same time, weren't they? That might be what this year is like. It might be a tough year, but it can be tough and fruitful at the same time. Second question, how did 70 people become 2 million people? How did it happen? Did the pastor do it? Did he? Who did it? You guys there, who did it? Everyone did it. Everyone was involved in being fruitful and multiplying and filling the land, weren't they? 
Imagine if that were true of us. Imagine each of us in 365 days, well, 363 now, okay? Imagine if each of us won one person to Christ this year. That would be 1,000 people one to faith, wouldn't it? There would be 1,000 people listed. Do you believe you could do that? I believe you can. You know Jesus. You've been given the Holy Spirit. What if you prayed? Lord, one person, one person, use me this year. You can do it and we can help you. Matter of fact, that's why we've tried to, to make it so easy for you. We've produced for you the Do You Know booklet where you can just read it to someone. It has the bad news. It has the good news. Invite them. Invite them to respond. You'll need a little bit more help. Go on our website, Good News Loves. There's a couple of videos though that can help equip you. We're here to equip you because you can do it and we can help you. And then listen, when you win someone to faith in Christ, we've laid out for you how you can then build them and equip them and multiply them. Imagine next January, there's not room here, right? Because every one of us has with us the person we disciple. Oh, it can happen, you know. It really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to provide the way out of Egypt and the way through the desert, and the way into the promised land. Listen, if you're here today and you're still stuck in your sin, you're still stuck in Egypt and you'd like to be set free, won't you believe in Jesus? Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I want you to come in and be my Savior. And forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. If you've done that, won't you mark it on your card or tell somebody we'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Lord, I pray for those of us that, that you have called us out of Egypt, that we would follow you this week, that we would follow you through the desert and into the promised land. Help us to come and see you each week and each day. Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, help us to fish for men. Well, Lord, I pray that each of us would pray and work every day this year that you might use us to win one. And when we do, that we would build and equip and we would truly multiply disciples in our community. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.